Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. What's up? What's happening? I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. And Logan, this is the earliest we have ever recorded a podcast. (laughs) I want that noted for the record book. Uh, It is currently 6.56 in the morning. We're grinders. We're grinding. Yeah, you you, you don't you get up early though. Like you're training guys, you're up early. I do, I do. Uh, I I have a, a wonderful uh, woman named Molly who I train twice a week at seven a.m. Yeah. Uh, this is not one of those days I'm typically so up. You're this sleeping early, in right it, now, man. That's all it is. But norm- normally, normally I got you know we need a warm up for the podcast, if you will. I you know while the client's doing doing her warm up, uh, I can kind of I can kind of come to mentally. <laughs> Yeah, that it's is different, uh, different, different demand. Yeah, no doubt here on on uh, what we're doing. So here's what we got. Uh, here, here's the warm up. Right, let's set a plan, if you will, a session plan. Uh, we're going to talk about OTAs. Obviously, they didn't wind up doing anything uh, on Tuesday. They they wound up canceling that practice. Uh, just had some meetings and uh, kind of a more fun day, uh, and then sent everybody home for the summer. Uh, so we will just go our kind of big takeaways from OTAs. Then stock up, stock down on players through the spring. And then our three biggest training camp questions. That's all still to come on this edition of Take Command. So let's let's start with kind of the big picture. What do you come out of the spring knowing that you didn't know going in? Knowing that I didn't know going in. Um, that's a really good question. Knowing I don't know anything at this point, I'll say that. Things that have <laughs> I've been things that have been informed, I think, a little bit more, I think, is the um, I'm really excited about where the secondary is going. Uh, for this team. I think um, obviously Cam Curl didn't practice, so it's not exactly finalized. So I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. But in terms of guys showing you things that um, make you feel really good about the direction that group is going, Forbes, I thought, had an excellent OTA minicamp period. Um, Quan also, I mean, his role was a little bit different. You know, Forbes was kind of getting that, you know, starter type role and Quan's still trying to establish that role. Um, Percy right. Butler, I thought looked great at times. Like, you know, um, listen to Kimes podcast, um, like his speed, like that's something I agree with, you know, to me, I'm still so cautious with those young safeties Forrest also, because there was no runs in this. And, and while safety is the position and the demands of that position have changed pretty dramatically, like they still are run players. So how does that look once you get the pads on, once EB's doing some more run stuff and they have to fit runs and kind of negotiate play action, negotiate short game to, to long concepts. So that's interesting. And I actually thought Fuller, you know, a guy we haven't talked about a ton, just did really, it was just super consistent, you know, and um, he, him and Terry always have interesting 
battles. And I think one of the things with Fuller is it's so hard to evaluate him because he's so smart and he just figures out like what's happening, like almost the first day. It's like, how did he know that was coming? And so I think as we get deeper into camp for, for me, Fuller, you know, obviously they played pretty good last year, obviously ups and downs, but on the whole, pretty consistent in terms of what Jack wanted and philosophically what Jack was looking for. But, um, a guy that I think I won't really know where he's at until they get to that Baltimore practice. But again, everyone did really well. Defense in the back end looked really good. And if that group plays, continues to progress the way they look during OTAs and minicamp, it's going to be a, it's going to be a scary group, man. It, the defense is going to be really, really scary because I think it elevates every other aspect of, of this team. Yeah, definitely. For whatever it's worth, I don't know why I didn't think of this before. Fuller is the one guy that has extensive experience against this offense because he used to, you know, yeah, practice, Chiefs, yeah. practice against it. So maybe some of the recognition stuff is you know, not just because he's brilliant, but because it is that familiar sure. um, does come back a little quicker for him. But generally speaking, yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point that the secondary has done what you'd hoped for. But in the same way we talk about with how this is not all really set up for him to be super successful because of the lack of uh, or the one dimensional nature of these practices, um, that shouldn't mean there's advantages for the defense that are built in. And, you know, their ability to be exactly where they need to be is affected by the fact that they're not seeing run. Um, but they, you also like can't take off points for them doing the right thing Correct. it's like oh yeah hey you didn't have to think about this other thing but you did what all we could ask you to do sorry you didn't accidentally mess up a couple times to make it look more real like that's not a thing yeah. so i think it's really you know like you said it's really encouraging um knowing curls coming and, and to your point the last thing that you said um something i just kind of want to underscore you know kind of looking ahead if the secondary can be 2% better, yeah. like we did all those over-unders with Nick um, and, you know, the sack numbers were some of the big ones that we talked about with Montez. How does he finish more plays? You know, and it was, you know, he had a pretty hilarious answer last week. How do you finish more plays? I just got to get there, man. I just got to get the guy down. Um, but it's also like, well, okay, how do you get there? How do you buy that extra tenth of a second so that the quarterback hits that sweat is registering becomes sacks? The coverage is 1% better. Not even one percent, right? right? It, so if they if they as a whole as a unit can become better, it's going to make that pass rush so much more effective. And I think obviously uh, we'll we'll talk more about Chase as we go here uh, at some point in one of these these topics. But you know if he's there and is a more effective pass rusher, James and Casey did a tremendous job being solid and doing what they were asked to do last year. But you bring that extra juice of a of a Chase Young, that's going to obviously help create some turnovers and things in the back end as well. Um, and, and the addition of a guy like Forbes, who that's, that's his calling card. Yeah. Um, I, I think the other thing that's, you know, kind of interesting is just seeing how quickly the defensive line, um, you know, gelled together. We can, we can kind of do that more in stock up, stock yeah. down, but um, that, that is one thing too, level, that I think was in, in encouraging, um, you know, big takeaways. Like we had all these nerves about sweat and sp especially young, uh, coming in here and um you know how would they gel with their teammates would anybody be mad is they're worried about contracts and it's like no they just they were ready yeah. to play football and and so i think that was that was definitely encouraging as well we can talk about that more in a moment um my big takeaway is on the other side of the ball um and that is just how influential eric Bieniemy sure. is going to be on this football team and that is one thing you know, so you said i i don't know anything yet but i'm informed on this i know eric Bieniemy has it a massive, massive impact on this football team. 
from the kind of like I'll call it organizational structure, like sure. how they, you know, it's really it's more team structure than organizational structure, how they they are you know, putting together their practices, how they are, what time they are practicing, um, all all of these things that the enemy very clearly came in and said, not we're going to do this this way, but like, this is how I would like to do them. And Ron was like, okay, well, that's how we do them. Sure. I think that is pretty fascinating for an offensive coordinator to come in. And obviously, it's the assistant head coach as well. But to see just how influential he is, I think was really, I mean, cool because it was different. And and I like things. I like seeing being exposed to new things. Um, but I think it's also going to be more effective for them. And then my question is, you know, kind of moving forward, like, how does that influence the season? Yeah. You know, beyond the same ways that it influenced the off season, you know, practice times, practice structures, things like that. Are there, whether it's the way they play in terms of some of the kind of bigger inter-team stuff, like, you know, is he, does he get to kind of push back on some of the run first philosophy and, you know, looking out for the defense in the ways uh, that I think Ron had imagined coming out of last season, accomplishing the same goals, but in the way that Eric wants to, is there any eventual friction there? You know, are there, know fourth down decisions or you know an aggression or what you know other ways in which the head coach typically makes certain decisions that the enemy will be more heavily involved in or just flat out be making himself those are the things that i'm curious about going into the season on that front but from a general standard a general structure standpoint the enemy's impact was like to me by far and away the the biggest thing i take out of the spring yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, and that'll be interesting, too, to kind of watch, you know, like uh, you mentioned the relationships between him and Ron, like how does that progress? How does that develop? Um, you know, and when, again, like the offense, I thought looked pretty good. And, you know, EB's leadership style, I think, is perfect for what this team needs. But how does that continue to develop? I think, you know, guys, uh, guys, te- NFL teams are funny, man. NFL players are funny. They, they're very proud. They're very proud guys, you know? And so when someone's on you like that and really demanding, like some people runs, runs some people the wrong way. I don't think EB, I think he understands that. I think he does a good job of saying like, I respect you. I'm going to coach the hell out of you, you know? And I think like, as long as that's clear, guys are going to, going to, um, gravitate towards that. But I've had conversations with guys who are like, you know, if, if, if the team's not doing well and EB's still coaching like this, like what's going to happen, you know? And I think that's always important to consider. But as, as of right now, I think his impact, like you said, is something that um, you can kind of definitively say, yes, he's done a great job of of kind of laying the foundation for training camp. But like with anything, it's got we got to see how it progresses. You know, we just need more data points. I mean, that's the other thing that's crazy is we're making all these kind of broad assumptions and assertions off of nine practices, eight practices, whatever it is. So I think yeah. that's um, that also makes it somewhat challenging. But I do, I do agree. I think he's his impact's been been enormous, um, and I, I'm I'm really opti- I'm cautiously optimistic about the direction this group is going, and um, and uh, the offense is is going to be a huge part of that. Obviously, yeah, definitely the the way that people react to EB during the season, I think, is something that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Um, he has been in a winning environment the last however many years he was in Kansas City. Um, and and I guess not all of it, but like, yeah, no, since he's been there, because it was, it was Alex good. and Holmes, he wasn't there. Good. He wasn't there for the, the stuff previous to that. Um, so he hasn't had to deal with, you know, kind of any extended losing. Right. Um, 
And that is something that is different to navigate. And hopefully, you know, obviously it'd be pretty sweet if they didn't have to deal with that here this year. Um, If they're able to be an above 500 team, if there are no losing streaks, if there are no, you know, there, there's always moments of tension and they're all relative, you know, Mm. uh, a two game skid in Kansas city is like end of the world type of stuff, considering what their standard is and what they've been and their desires to win a super bowl here. Obviously the, I don't say the standard isn't that because that's, that's the ultimate goal, but the, the pressure is not there because no one reasonably expects them to do that. Mm. There's not that external pressure. And I would assume there's not internal pressure there. There's a lot more focus on growth and kind of intangible things in a lot of ways um, that, that will lead to championships, but it's not like, Hey, we have to win the super bowl this year. This season is a failure. Um, so how does he adjust to that throughout the season? If he has to, um, I also, I'd have to look back at the rosters, but you know how young this roster is compared to what some of these had in Kansas City. They've always kind of had some vets around. Um, you know, Fuller obviously is is there as a vet, um, but outside of that, there's just not a lot of old, you know guys that are let's say older than 27 on this roster, especially in starting key positions. Um, he does have some some I guess maturity along the offensive line in that way. Uh, guys like Leno, guys like Wiley, um, but this is such a young roster that how do they respond? to that kind of intensity of coaching uh, throughout the season is something else that I had in mind. Um, the last the last thing I wanted to ask real quick, Logan, on, on OTAs, uh, and then we'll get to stock up, stock down, is the idea that they skip this final practice to me is a nothing. Um, yeah. At that point, it's one practice, who cares? Um, and, and the analogy I made on the radio is it's kind of like going to the gym. No single workout is going to be the one that makes the difference for you one way or the other, unless it's the one you get hurt in. That's the only way any single workout is the one that that makes a huge difference. Other than that, it's about stacking days. Um, and that's how you ultimately get to, to where you want to go in, in, a, in a fitness setting, which, of course, is really what football practice is. Um, but... Is it a big deal that they miss three practices? Because the reason they skip the one is because they already had two taken away from them for what happened in OTAs last year where there was too much contact. Mm -hmm. So one, no big deal. Probably the smart thing. Just get to the summer healthy. You can do what you need to do in meetings, et cetera. But what would another full week of practice have meant to them? Yeah, I mean, a couple things. One, I think, you know... This is like this is more of like a personal touchy feely type thing. I think canceling this practice, I don't want to say it's a Santa. It it it's one of those things that kind of like rubs guys in the locker room a little bit the wrong way. And if people say why, you know, like do they want to practice? It's like you make your off season plans around this practice, and so you've planned to be here for this practice, and then all of a sudden it's canceled or whatever, and you're like, well, we're here for like a nothing day, you know, like we didn't really get practice. Like I was staying for that, so I do think that that is something that, you know, is a little bit probably frustrating for some guys in the locker room. It's like, I could have been out of here. I could have been back with my family or back in my hometown or back on my vacation or whatever I'm doing. So that's something to just keep an eye on. In terms of the two practices, um, obviously, like the old school player version of me is like, oh, man, that's huge. You're never going to get those reps back. But really, when you think about it, when you take a step back, even if you're starting, even if you're if you're participating a lot in the OTAs and minicamp, you're getting five to 10, 15 plays a day. So 30 total reps. And in the grand scheme of the season and the grand scheme of training camp and the grand scheme, even of, even of uh, the OTA mini camp kind of rep dis- distribution, like it's a very, very small percentage of stuff. So it's really just kind of two extra days of study and preparation. Uh, you know, Ron mentioned that he was able, they've been able to get all of their installs in. It's like a 10 day install. 
and then they have two days of kind of review. So I, I, from that standpoint, it's not, you, you've already installed that during kind of the first week of offseason program phase one. You've installed your offense. You've installed it again here. And I just think it's kind of like one of those things where the my, my knee-jerk player reaction is that, oh, my gosh, this is a huge deal. But also, like, you have training camp coming up. You have you have a preseason work to kind of supplement this. And, and in the grand scheme of prep for the season, it's probably – not that big of a deal. It's just kind of going over stuff you've already gone over, hashing out some details. And I honestly think just based on the structure of practice, that what they've been doing as of right now, it's it's probably not, you know, like a huge, huge, huge thing. And I know that's hard for fans to like understand, but I, I think your gym analogy is good. You know, it's like it's it's these days were not are, are not necessary. Let's put it that way. They're not necessary to the offseason install. And so they're just kind of your auxiliary days to kind of continue the strength and conditioning analogy. It's like, oh, we're hitting back and bicep today. And is that going to help my deadlift down the road? Sure. But is it absolutely necessary that I get those days? Probably not. So in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's that that significant. I think the, the more significant factor is just kind of like the general irritation that some of the players probably have at this point, not being able to get out of here, you know, kind of saying, hey, we're going to be here. We're going to have a productive day. And then kind of, you know, not doing that, I think is always – you know, guys get, they grumble about all sorts of stuff. You know, you've been around the locker room, Craig. It doesn't take a lot to get those guys pissed off. So um, that would be the one no. thing that I'd say is probably significant about it. That was one thing I thought about. If I was a player, I'd be, I'd be pretty annoyed yeah. about that. Like, why couldn't you just cancel it last week? Because then I would be out of here. I'd be back to where I'm going on Friday right. of last week, right? So right. That, that's the one, that, that's the only thing I think that's even a little bit relevant to this is just, it's kind of like- And even then it's like, yeah. what what is the real trickle down of yeah. that? Unless they like keep jerking guys around and you know, yeah, whatever, but- And, I, and, know, and honestly, and, and to be fair to the coaching staff, they may have fully intended to have practice. And then so many guys yeah. didn't come back for this practice. You know, they didn't, they just kind of, because this is an OTA day, right? This, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was this was a voluntary. A lot of guys so. just probably said, "Hey, I'm out of here," and then they don't have enough guys to like practice. Practice. They're like, "Well, yeah. what are we going to do?" So it also sounded like they, you know, Ron. The way it was presented through the media, um, you know, when whoever Ron or whoever you know talking to Kime and Nikki and Standig and everybody was like, they talked. Ron talked to Bienemy. Uh, he talked to Jack. They were fully satisfied with where they were, and they were like, "What's the point?" Right. So, you know, if they were happy, with, you know, they didn't anticipate things going so well through minicamp um, and they hadn't had those meetings yet. Like, it's just the logistics of the logistics of life, Logan, sure. the logistics of life. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of annoying uh, <laughs> if you're a player. But then again, like if you're one of the top guys, um, yeah, you might have just planned on not going anyway. Right. This, and that's what I'm saying. So, so there's like, I mean, and, and if a... you're a younger guy, you have to be at those meetings that they're that they had instead anyway, because you can't you can't be like, yeah, well, I'm going on vacation. I'm good with my install, even though I'm the 78th guy and have a 0.3 percent chance of making the team. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's just one of those things. It's like it, just, it though, that that's something that I know I, I've been around locker rooms that just bothers guys. It's like, why are we here for this day? Yeah. And yeah, you know. Because you want to make the team. Correct. It's your job. Yes. And, uh, you know, you don't have to work again for six weeks. Correct. I would also like to take July off from my job uh, because you goobers are going to be doing whatever. And I don't have a lot to talk about. That's NBA right. free agency. Please be interested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Take a Man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Greg Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. All right, little stock up, stock down, Logan. Let's try to get one each. One player yep. each, stock up. One player each, stock down. I, the stock down, I feel like, is actually going to be difficult, which is a yeah. good thing. You don't want you don't want guys just tanking in the spring. Um, stock up for me. I'm going to go Chase Young. I'll start, and I'll go Chase Young. Wow, that's um, a bold one off of two I, days of practice, my guy. Well, here's the thing. Um, I think... It, like we're not talking about all of a sudden Chase is like back to being, you know, I expect him to have 14 sacks a year, go to the Hall of Fame, like whatever. But I, I do think that like when he showed up, he looked good and he interacted well with everybody. And there seemed to be genuinely no resentment mm-hmm. about him, you know, missing out. And and some of that is Rivera being a professional, right? Stock up Ron Rivera on that front. He handled it as a head coach as well as you can possibly handle that situation if you do not want conflict. And if he is privately annoyed, that hasn't gotten out. Yeah. Um you know they they have said it's voluntary, you know, he's doing what he's got to do and I think they're at this point with him in a big like we'll we'll see, you know, proof will be when you actually get out there and play. But at the end of the day, like he came back the interaction was great. He was chase, you know, the, you know, he, he's barking on the sideline. He's, he's bringing the energy. He's doing all the stuff. Like his press conference was kind of annoying. He seems to still have a very, you know, high sense of self and, and all those kinds of things that I think are, I don't want to say worrisome, but like that, that rub some people the wrong way. Um, but he ultimately like came out and looked good and, and, you know, felt like himself for the first time since he shredded his knee. Right. And, if, if that's, you know, if we're talking about uh, an added value or, you know, staying exactly where we thought he was, like, that's good. Some of the questions, I don't want to say have been answered. Um, or, or, let me put it this way. Not all of the questions have been answered, but some of the questions have been answered. And they've been answered in the way that you'd hope they get answered. Teammates responded well. That's good. Um, his knee is definitely and his health and his his fitness is definitely in a significantly better place than it was at the end of the season. We still don't know how effective he'll be in actual NFL games. We can't know that at this point. But like boxes checked for Chase in the spring. And that's that's all in the same way that we've talked about so much of this stuff. There's only so much he could do at this point, but he did that stuff. And for that reason, stock up. Yeah, I get it. I mean, um, yeah, I get it. And and really, what's he going to show during this period anyway? You know, as, as a player, I think it's all like kind of optics. And I think it's just good to see him get over the bags and get off, uh, you know, watching his get off on uh, what day was that? Tuesday of uh, last week. Like he looked yeah. sharp. 
You know, he looked explosive. Right. Like he looked back, and those things are important. You know, he looked better than he did in the games last yeah. year. Um, in terms of stock up, stock down for me, stock up, I'm going to say Logan Thomas, but also just kind of the tight end position group in general. I really feel like, and I said this stunner coming from you. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, um, you know, during this, during this period, the, uh, Logan Thomas specifically has been the most consistent offensive player. Um, he's just been excellent, you know, understanding zones, um, making contested catches, developing that relationship with Sam and then kind of to trickle down, like, Cole Turner has kind of been that guy that we thought he was going to be last year during training camp, kind of continuing that, you know, ability to beat linebackers, um, kind of aggressive hands to the football. Curtis Hodges has come along and John Bates has had a really couple productive days over the course of the eight day period, um, you know, making some tough contested catches. So that, that group to me looks poised for something really good. And, um, and that's exciting for me and we'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously we'll see how they, they do with the pads on. That's a, that position is a little bit more physical than others. So the pads are a big part of it, but you know, in terms of where they're at right now, um, I, I'm excited about the project, the, the, the projection of that group. So, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of someone for stock down and I don't really know who had well, any, well, like even, on, even on a relative nature, you know, kind of what I was talking about with chase, like I don't know anyone in particular had a bad spring. I mean, Jacoby Brissett's chances at starting, Maybe Sam did what he needed to do. Maybe. Like, what are we? I, I mean, he, he was I, I fine. Like to me, the guy that sticks out to me is like Jamin, for example. And it's not because Jamin did anything wrong necessarily. It's just because right. like the guys who were there, like Cody Barton, Khalid Hudson, um, you know, even Mayo had a pretty solid spring, you know. And so it kind of went from, oh no, what are we going to do without Jamin there? Um, you know, to Jack and his presser being like, man, guys are playing good. We're not that worried about Jamin not being here for this 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 off season. So. Um, I think that just kind of from a thousand foot view, if you had to pick somebody you'd say, you know, what, what's going on with him? Where's he at? Um, and again, I, I hope, I, I think Jamin's poised for a big year. Hopefully they're ready to support him with that playing behind that defensive line. Hopefully we see more of that athleticism, that physicality that we saw the last four games of last year. But in terms of off season work, you know, he didn't do it. And the guys who were doing it did a really good job. So his absence becomes a little bit less, um, less, less acute, I think. Yeah. Okay. So that gives me one, uh, in that same vein, I'll go cam curl. Yeah. Um, because you know, we had that great question on Monday of like, is there a situation where curl doesn't get paid? And you know, it's, I guess that they don't need to pay him right. is, the, is that they have Derek Forrest and Percy Butler and Quan Martin and, and, you know, even down to Jeremy Reeves for depth that, you know, they, they look at Cam Curl and it's like, look, man, if you can get top five safety money somewhere else, go do it. But like, we got to pay these edge guys or we got to pay one of the edge guys. We got to do this. We got to do that. Um, and, and just from a salary cap standpoint, you're awesome. We love you. But like, we did a good job drafting and yeah. your replacement's here. His name's Quan Martin. Um, thanks for helping bringing him along in his rookie year. Um, so in that, in that way, like Cam did everything right uh, for a guy that is you know, holding in kind of ish. He denies that it's about the contract, but why else wouldn't he be out there yeah. doing stuff? You know, he, he not only was, you know, kind of on the side and in the meetings, like he was behind the defense, getting mental reps, like really being able to see it from, you know, 30 yards behind the play, 50 yards behind the play. Um, but at the end of the day, these other guys played really well. And, you know, how much do you want to pay uh, even a top performing safety that, is part of this rotation that isn't significantly worse without him that that would be 
the question though, is it significantly worse without him? That we're not going to know till again, the Baltimore practices till games. Um, and you know, Cam last year was the most valuable player on that defense. When he was in, they were good. When he was out, they were bad. Um, and, and so from that perspective, like, what are we, what are we really talking about here? We're talking about practice. We're talking yeah. about spring practice. We're talking about zero run plays, et cetera. But I, I guess based off the criteria that we've established here, relatively speaking, stock down for Cam Curl and, you know, leverage of his contract negotiations because these young guys are, look like they're ready to play. And, you know, at that point, do you, do you spend that money? Yeah. Still probably yes, but just, you know, I, we're, we're pulling, we're pulling teeth here. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, and again, it, we're, it's it's splitting hairs, really. We're not trying to like say that Cam's not a good player or Cam's not going to yeah. make the team He's or awesome. any of that stuff. It's, I would still pay him in I, a heartbeat. I think it just was an opportunity for the young guys to come in, like including Percy Butler, including Forrest and Quan, like you mentioned, and just say, "Hey, like we're really good. We're good football players. We got a we got a path to uh, to be playing some good football for this team and for this organization." And when you see that kind of scaffolding develop um, around that position and have all these pieces that can come in and play, um, I don't want to say it devalues Cam, but it basically says like, you know, I had people asking me like probably midway through training camp, like, does, do you see a path where they don't re-sign Cam Curl? And that was one of the questions we got on the show, but like some of the guys were asking me about it. And it's like, you know, after watching this, it's like, maybe because of how good everybody's looked and, that's good for the team. That's good for the organization. Um, you know, I, I think Cam is better still. I think Cam is a is um, you know kind of I don't want to say elite, but like a game changing type player, for, especially for this defense. And and this his role is so comprehensive that I don't think they move on from him. Obviously, but I think it just it allowed other people to kind of be like, hey, like we're we're maturing, we're growing, and put us in a good spot. And I feel the same way about Jamin. Like I think Jamin's still going to be you know the starting Mike or Will linebacker, or whatever that totally. is. But I think now all of a sudden people have had time to develop like these reps in practice for a guy like Klee Hudson are huge. And it just says like, hey, we have got we have more depth here. We have some development that we weren't expecting. And so maybe we feel a little bit differently about the the total comp, um, composition of the position. Totally. But, you know, as we said, what what is yeah. what happens when the run game is implemented? The whole equation changes. Yeah. So all, all this, you know, the, the stock prices, if you will, are, are, are very fluid. They're, they're going very up and down. Yeah. And I think it's also like important to note that like it's as much as it's um, what's the word I'm looking for as, as much as these things are really good. Like, you know, that the, the depth is some somehow changed. Like it's still like they don't have pads on. It's still limited offensive yep. production. Like this is going to yep. change pretty dramatically. I think here, you know, like even these analyses will change. So, yeah. So, uh, it's June 14th. It's now seven 24 in the morning. Nobody hold us to a word that we're saying. <laughs> Take a man podcast from Odyssey sports. Craig Hoffman here, Logan Paulson there. If you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like button. Subscribe if you are not as well. Uh, and of course, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you're not already a subscriber, another podcast platform, you're not already a subscriber, uh, we'd love to have you each and every week, twice a week here on Take Command. So, Logan, let's quickly rifle through three major questions entering training camp. Or what what do we think are the three biggest questions entering training camp? We obviously have 
uh, about six weeks or so yeah. until then. Uh, July 27th training camp opens. That was announced today or announced yesterday. We also got some reporting last night that there might be one, you know, I don't want to call it fairly significant, the most significant day before that. Um, and this is actually the first one to me in terms of things affecting training camp. And it goes right on the heels of our last discussion. There is a really good chance that the ownership uh, transfer is final, that the sale is completed either July 27th or sorry, July 20th or August 8th. NFL owners have been told per multiple reports to save those dates for you know being available going to wherever it is whether they go to new york the league office whether they meet somewhere kind of in the midwest more middle of the country um to get together and vote um and then once josh harris gets implemented you have everything open for business you have contract negotiations that you can talk about with guys like cam curl um you have any upgrades you want to make to the stadium and or practice facility uh that you know new equipment all these types of things can all all of a sudden be back on the table again. So one, is there any difference to you between July 20th, a week before and August 8th in the middle of training camp? And, and two, do you think that anything in particular will get going pretty quickly or is it, you know, are we kind of already past the window when, when an ownership change can affect the 2023 season in any meaningful way? I mean, I think the only thing that I see kind of potentially being affected is the camp curl thing, you know, and, and just how, like or, or Cam Curl or Montes, well, any kind of contract extension, any kind of money that needs to be brought in. I think those are the things that kind of are looming. Um, I really, you know, I run a small business of like me, basically. And <laughs> right. it's very, very hard to quickly get anything done um, because there's like legal hurdles outside of the structure of like the team, you know? And so when you come into a new organization, I'm sure you've got to get used to personnel the the structure you got to bring in your own people you got to make hires so i think maybe in that from that standpoint like some of the people in the uh you know like the marketing or the sales side you know there might be some turnover there especially at the vp level within the organization but you know i think from a football standpoint you're not going to see like any kind of dramatic effects because what's he going to do i mean like what's josh harris what, yeah. what is he capable of doing everyone talks about the practice facility or the stadium like those are long projects right selling the right. practice field in, in ashburn that's a that's probably a two-year maybe a year out type of thing yeah building a well even facility. like if they want to do some kind of construction like at, at that point you don't it's necessarily like unless it's a construction project that can be done in three days like you knock down a wall and, and install a video monitor or whatever you know a projection yeah. screen like you don't want to be disruptive at that point of the year. Like right. there is, there is a very set schedule every day of training camp. And then ultimately of the season, you know, could they potentially do some very small, but impactful work in that kind of period between the end of training camp and week one, you know, Hey, we're going to, we're going to build a new meeting room. Cause we're going to take out a couple of offices and, and we can get it done in five days, maybe, but like anything major significant, it's just, it's just it's too late yeah and even that i'd probably be a little bit skeptical of just because like you know i've been uh you know they did a couple of construction projects around the facility it just takes longer than you think you know it's and so right. you don't want that like you know oh like the contractor says it'll take five days there's always something that comes up that takes a little bit longer yeah. and you don't anyone want, who's ever done anything on a house knows yeah, and you don't want that bleeding into the season because guys it, it is it is disruptive it, it is like as much as that's like oh my gosh how could I? it just is like it, it affects your your workspace it affects your your daily schedule. So I, I think he'd probably avoid that. You know, I'm, I'm just assuming, I think it's, I think it's going to be more 
hirings and firings on the non-football operations side um, to kind of get the business stuff, the business kind of infrastructure set up. And those will be pretty dramatic right away, you know, like, um, but I don't know if the fans will, will see that like immediately, like see the results sure. of that immediately, I guess. So I, I think um, either, either of those dates, it probably doesn't, doesn't do too much except maybe give uh, Ron and Marty or the Martys a, a go ahead to say, Hey, let's get cam curl done. And that, that's something that I can right. see happening. Right. Um, and even on the business side, like I think a lot of this season, like if, if he had been able to be here in May, that's a different scenario in terms of maybe he makes some of these yeah. businessy changes going into the season and Hey, we want to do a different media plan or a different marketing plan. And I, I these are, I'm picking random yeah, whatever, departments. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being specific in any way. Um, but like the, our game presentation, I really like what we do with the devils or the Sixers. And I want to bring some of those people or some of those ideas here. Like people are working through the summer to put all this stuff together. Yeah. Like, and, and there's only so much time it's, it's to probably organize been established it. So, in a lot of cases. Yeah. And so there's going to be a whole lot of observing from Josh Harris, and, and he might install some people to do that observing for him. Correct, yeah. Um, but there's ultimately only so much you can do, and and I don't think that there's a huge deal between July 20th and August 8th, uh, other than how much time do uh, do the the media outlets in town, specifically perhaps two radio stations, have time to. Uh, plan very special shows for that that yeah. day and um you know any kind of celebrations that might that might happen all right uh next biggest question is the quarterback position obviously um and this one you know I, i'm gonna ask you a question i asked ben standing on the radio yesterday which is if they're gonna have this be a true competition at some point jacoby would need one reps yes. um what is the thing that would open the door for that uh, to have that truly like it's it's always a competition because they're evaluating each and every day. Sure. But to have it be more of a direct head to head competition, what opens the door from Sam Howell to welcome Jacoby Brissett into that? Um, to, I think a couple things. One, I think if he comes in um, and has like a multi day skid, you know what I mean, where mm -hmm. it just looks it looks too fast for him. Like he just can't kind of handle it. And I've seen that happen. I've you know like in different places I've been, like with backup quarterbacks where they've kind of been getting a little bit more burn. And they've, you know, they've gone with the a three going with the twos or a two going with the ones. And, um, you know, you're like, oh, wow, this is, I'm excited for this guy. I like this guy. Let's see what happens. And it just kind of melts away. Any kind of charisma or dexterity that they had developed is gone. So I think that would be something that would be pretty telling. Like, let's say they get, you know, day three, four, five of OTAs. He takes a little stumble, which you or a mini camp or a training camp takes a little stumble, which you would expect. We talked about how that's kind of a, a tipping point for installs and stuff. And then that continues for a couple of days. Um, that's yeah. something I would think about. And then also, obviously, um, the the Baltimore practice, like let's say Jacoby comes out and just looks really sharp and Sam is having a hard time with with the new, with the with what the defense is presenting him. Um, I think that would be something that would be really telling. Uh, outside of that, it's hard for me to see because like, you know, if, if OTA is a minicamp or any indication, like, you know, he had a couple rough days. He had a, he had a rough period, but I, on the whole, I, I was impressed with his consistency, and um, yeah. and I, I can't imagine him kind of faltering too badly. But if he does, like those are the things. Like if I'm the coach, like you got to make the decision that's best for the team. And if it looks too fast for him or too big for him, you probably make that tr uh, transition. And it might be really gradual. It might be like over the course of a couple days. Like hey, you know, Jacoby, take you're taking two two reps with the first team. 
and it's it'll be really subtle and it might grow or it might decrease because sometimes people do that actually to help the starter you know if, if they're coming along having a hard time just limiting the the challenging reps for them so we'll see what happens but th- that would be the only thing that i would consider um changing i don't know how, how do you feel about that yeah no same if it looks too fast for him and, and i think if the turnovers continue you know some of the the turnover problems that he's had in otas are you know the small windows the the lack of run like the the one-dimensional nature of it this is a really hard test and and he's scored the way that you think he would score um which is both positive and negative um he's a he's a second year guy who doesn't have a lot of experience there's going to be mistakes and uh the question is can he he start eliminating some of those once you have a more dynamic you know play calling array in practice and so if he's if he's turning the ball over a ton i think you have to start introducing some reps for jacoby and then depending on how sam responds to that how jacoby responds I think it's got to happen. The biggest thing, Logan, is before the Baltimore practices. Like Jacoby's first one reps, half if they if they are happening before the Baltimore practices, and then you get that those Baltimore practices to kind of be the final test, mm. um, and maybe you're splitting more evenly in those practices. But it, like you can't you can't have Sam just get to the Baltimore practices having taken all the reps, him not perform well there, and then be like, okay, we're switching quarterbacks. To me, that seems irresponsible. I guess you could, because well, so you're I, just relying on Brissett's experience, but at that point, like you've you've kind of set Jacoby up in a bad spot too, because he hasn't actually worked with the guys that he's going to have to win football games with, and that, that seems like a bad idea too. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why you bring Jacoby, and I think it's one of the reasons we were advocating for Jacoby, and um, you know, obviously he, I think he can play at a starting caliber level for spurts in his career, and he's done a nice job of that. He's a great leader. But I think one of the things that I think and I value about him and I think they value about him is that being a good backup means you don't need those one reps, right? And so that was something that at points in my career I had to navigate, right? Like I'm not getting any reps with the ones, but I had to make sure that I was ready for that level of game speed because I knew I'd be in certain situations because of injury or whatever it was. And so that was, I think, one of the reasons I was valuable, especially later in my career is because like they knew that I'd be ready from an intellectual standpoint and physically I'd be ready. Like I was always going to be in shape and I'd always be ready to go. And that's not, that's not fair. It's not fair to the player, but that's the expectation quite frankly. And I'm not sure if that I'm, I'm totally, this is total speculation. I haven't talked to anybody in the building about this, but just knowing Jacoby's career, knowing kind of his reputation, I would assume that that's kind of how they feel about it quite honestly. Right. Like that they just think he's like, he like that that's the deal that's why you're getting paid 10 million bucks is so when when it doesn't go well whether that's during the baltimore practices whether that's week one of training camp whether that's week one of the season um we expect you to be ready to go and i think um that that's why you're paying a little bit of a premium for that backup quarterback spot yeah no agreed if i was ron and eb i'd probably get him a couple of one reps anyway I just mean, be like hey man like we've we've had situations we've had so much injury problems the last couple of years at quarterback it, it's smart to have a little bit of a base. I, th- I think, I think I'd be in a perfect world. They would do that. I just think the media yeah. here would see those, you know, those five reps in a practice and be like, Oh my gosh, Jacoby's taking over the position and make a big storyline about it. So knowing, yeah. having, having been on that side of it too, like this is going to sound crazy, but coaches consider that because they know that the oh, second yeah, that and they, happens, they should to an extent, yeah. but like, it's how will it affect the player? And if, it, if, if, it's, you know, Ron's going to come out and be like, Hey, this isn't a big deal. We're just, you know, we're, we're cross training guys. We want to make sure there's a little bit of reps, a little bit of familiarity. Um, you but know, then, we want Jacoby to throw to Terry 
but then those questions then those questions come up in the, for for the team like they start, the offense starts getting asked those questions guys in the locker room start talking about it and i could so i'm not saying that right or wrong i just could see him not doing that because of that kind of media. the media here like uh, you know i'm a part of it now is one of the toughest markets that i ever played in my career you know i played in five different markets and this is a brutal market for that kind of stuff like you know for example in atlanta like Atlanta, Chicago, they're asking you the, the softest lollipop questions. Guys like barely watch practice. Like it's like, you know, hey, yeah, great. You know, how's it going? But and here it's a little bit more investigative, a little bit more acute. And rightfully so, it's a big market. So um, but I, yeah. I do think that, that that needs that should be should be factored in a little bit with, with some of this stuff, obviously. All right. Uh, last, and this might actually be the biggest question, um, is the O-line situation. And, yeah. you know, I don't know what we're going to say that's new that hasn't been said already, but like, we don't know what the hell this offensive line is going to look like, uh, in terms of performance. Obviously we know Sadiq is going to get that first shot at left guard. We know all the personnel, uh, and the other four spots, but like once they put pads on, once they start doing the run game stuff, uh, and, and they're in more live, like 11 on 11 type of periods, with pads, like we're going to find out how good this group is real fast because that defensive line is going to show us. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think, you, you know, obviously, um, like Cosby is a good at guard, Wiley's a good at tackle, but like what happens when you're actually pass protecting, like for real with pads on and you got to move people off the spot? I think, I think Cosby and Wiley will do excellent with that, but I'm a, like, Wiley is like, you know, meeting him. He's not a huge man. Like, you, you know, you have these expectations of what tackles look like and he doesn't look like that he plays well he's a good football player so like i'm excited that he's here but how do you handle like one of the best power rushers in the nfl you know in montez sweat or chase young like how, how does your your frame accommodate that like what technical things are you going to be doing to kind of put yourself in a better position to to win those one-on-one matchups that's something that i'm really really curious to see um the guard the the left guard spot again is something that i'm really interested in just because it's kind of like you know he, Sadiq has looked good at times in practice. You see the athleticism, you see the explosion. I think you see a, a much kind of smarter, much more in, in tune player. But um, again, they haven't been doing the whole offense. They haven't been doing the runs and the, the pads aren't on. So um, the group is really interesting. It's really, really interesting because there's a lot of people in new spots, a lot of question marks. Um, and so, yeah, that, to me, that's even more than Sam Howell, which I know sounds crazy, but we got to see a yeah. pretty good sample size of Sam. You know, he was getting, you know, probably 20 throws of practice, 25 throws of practice in team kind of setting, seven on seven, team pass, two minute, whatever it is. And, you know, as much as that's limiting, you get a pretty good evaluation, a good feel for where the guy's at. With the O-line, there was none of that. So, um, I, again, my, my biggest question going to training camp, that, that third day of training camp when they put those pads on is, is what that group looks like and how do they gel and how do they come together. And also really like to your earlier point about um, biggest takeaways is how does EB help that group? So right. lots of stuff going on there for sure. For sure. Um, and I agree with you. It's a bigger story than quarterback in some ways because it's so heavily going to influence quarterback. Yeah. Like if these guys are good, good. Uh, if these guys are bad, Sam's toast. Um, that's the nature of offensive line play in the NFL. Uh, all right. That's it. That's all for this week's show. We'll show uh, we do two a week. So make sure you are subscribed to get both of them. Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcast, watch full episodes on YouTube, youtube.com slash at one Oh six, seven, the fan highlights on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash at Craig Hoffman. Uh, next week we will get into our off season, 
uh, mode completely. Uh, I know Logan has been wanting for months to do who will win an 11 yeah. and 11 football game uh, between 11, 11 linemen and 11 skill guys. So perhaps that's next week and some more fun. Any kind, any kind of game stuff. Like we're going to be, this is it. This is a uh, Logan's, Logan's got ideas. We're, we're, in, we're in Logan Paulson silly season and I'm excited for it. Uh, so we'll see you next week for that. Uh, it's take command from Odyssey sports. Thanks so much for listening.